Well, I hope you enjoyed the worship this morning, and I'm excited to bring you a message this morning. And we're going to start a new sermon series, as I shared with you last week, and we're going to talk about responding to crisis. And what I hope to do through this series is look at different folks from the Bible, uh, Bible characters that we may or may not be familiar with, but how did they handle crisis? How did they go through things in their life that were difficult? And some people chose to uh, go through those crises with God and be obedient to God, and sometimes they chose uh, to not be obedient to God and go through those crises uh, in their own way. And we learn a lot through listening to their stories and to how they handled the crisis. So I think we can learn a lot from that. That's a big reason why God gave us His Word is so that we can learn things on how others had relationship with Him and how they responded. But in all those situations that we'll read about, we will know that those people that we read about in the Bible, they certainly were uh, found out a lot more about themselves through those crises, uh, found out a lot more about God and about uh, that relationship they had with God. So I want you to think about this morning, crises uh, are not always a bad thing. Uh, they can be something that we certainly learn from. Uh, I know in my own life, as I think back on some of the crises I've been through, uh, those have not been fun. They have not been things that I wanted to go through. They have not been things that I enjoyed. But when I look back on those things, I think, man, if, if that crisis had not have happened, I wouldn't have learned this about myself. I wouldn't have learned this about God. I wouldn't have learned this about the people around me. I learned a lot about life through that crisis. So uh, I look back and say, man, I'm really thankful I had those crises because they, they taught me a lot. There's a saying, I'm not really sure where it came from, but I've always liked this saying. It says, tough times or crises um, don't necessarily um, uh, test our character but they reveal our character. And that's very true if you think about it. A lot of times our true character is revealed in very difficult times. So as we think about crisis, again, they don't always have to be a bad thing. Um, it can be something we learn from. And when we think about what's been going on uh, in our world right now, this has certainly been deemed a pandemic crisis. The word crisis we hear all over the place. And it has been a crisis. And for some people, it's been a a devastating crisis as they have lost their life to the virus, they've lost a loved one to the virus, and, and that's certainly been a crisis. Um, there's been others who this has been a, an economic crisis. We've seen that's happening all over the world. People's businesses are, are losing money, people are losing their jobs. Economically, it has been a devastating crisis for not only us in this country, but for countries all over the world. And, and so for that, it certainly is, is rightly called a crisis. And the other crisis have been is that, that our world, in, in a lot of ways, has been turned upside down. I mean, uh, major things to close, like sporting events, uh, schools, many businesses, uh, travel, uh, all the different things that have been closed because of this crisis has been uh, incredibly inconvenient for people. And for some of us, it's not been devastating, but it has been very inconvenient. It has taken what we knew as normality in our life, the everyday, day-to-day -day things that we do, and those things have been changed dramatically because of this crisis. But I think we can all agree that even though it has been a crisis, there's been some things that certainly we've learned through this. I think there's been some things that we can actually look back and go, man, I'm, I'm learning some things. And through this crisis, and, and we've even asked the question, what is God trying to teach me? What is he trying to do in my life through this crisis? So I think those things have been uh, been important. 
So I want us this morning to uh, look at a specific uh, biblical character named Abram. Uh, you may remember him as Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. You may remember singing that at camp or growing up at, at church. Uh, but if you're not real familiar with the Old Testament uh, character Abraham, he was Abram before he was Abraham. Um, we're going to look at that. And if you're familiar with it, this uh, hopefully will be some things that can uh, be helpful to you. If you're not familiar with him, I'm excited because you're maybe learning about somebody for the first time that can provide some insight into your life. But we're going to look at Abram and, and, and what God called him to and, and how this created a crisis in his life. So I'm going to read from uh, the book of Genesis this morning. I want to read from chapter 12 of Genesis, and I'm going to read the first nine verses. And if you've got your Bible there with you, or uh, your personal device, your pad, your phone, whatever, uh, you can, can read along with me. Uh, Genesis 12 uh, verses, um, I'm going to go through verse 9. The Lord said uh, to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse whoever curses you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree Morah at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, and with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. This may or may not be a familiar passage to you, text to you, where God called Abram, but I think there's a lot of neat things here that, that we can see. This call to Abram really caused a crisis in his life. Uh, I mean, uh, this was something uh, very unusual. Uh, as you notice, as we read, uh, Abram was 75 years old, and God calls him to leave everything that he's familiar with. He says, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your father's household. I want you to leave everything that you're comfortable with, everything that you're familiar with, and I want you to go to a place that I will show you. And he doesn't say where that is necessarily. He just says, I'll show you. I want you to get up and leave everything. Now, again, think about it, 75 years old. Now, I know in those times they lived longer, but still at 75 when everything you had been comfortable with and familiar, everything you had known had been pretty much in this one place, and now God's saying, I want you to leave all of that to a place I will show you. So I can imagine that when this first came and Abram's explaining this to Sarai, to his uh, nephew Lot, to his family and friends. They're all going, have you lost your mind? What do you mean? Are you sure that God spoke to you? Are you sure that's what he told you to? How is this going to take place? Where is this land he says that he's going to take you to? Is this going to take place now, right now? Or is it going to be a while before you have to leave? What is going on here? How are you going to do all this, Abram? I'm sure he came up with all those kind of questions. And for us to really kind of feel what that would feel like, I think it would have to be 
we would have to put ourselves in Abram's place. Just, just for instance, let's say that you went to your family and you knew you had heard a specific uh, call from God, a specific voice from God telling you to leave everything that you have right now, where you are, your job, uh, your house, your community, and go to a place that He's going to show you. I bet if you told that to your family, they'd all go, what in the world? He's lost his mind. And you would be in a crisis because you would know that you heard from God, just like Abram. He heard from God. He knew that was true. But how was he going to go about doing all this? And so it's hard to explain it to other people. So I think for us to, to really grasp what Abram was going through, we have to kind of put ourselves in his position. So what we do know from reading this, as you read with me this morning, is that Abram obeyed. He packed up all his things, packed up his belongings, all that he had accumulated over these 75 years. Um, he had people that worked for him. I, I, I would assume maybe some of those were slaves, but at this time he had people, he had family, he had animals, he had belongings, and he starts packing all those things up, and people are going, man, he's, he's really going to do this. God must have really called him to do something, and so he packs up and he's obedient to what God called him to. So when we go into a crisis, a lot of times one of the most important things we can do is be obedient to what we know is true. And at this point, Abram was obedient to what he knew was true. He knew that God had spoken to him directly, and he knew that God had spoken to him and told him and gave him these promises that would happen, and they were in the future, but he was obedient that God spoke to me. And through his 75 years, I believe Abram had realized there was a God. There had to be a creator, and now he's speaking to me. He's making some promises to me, and I want to be obedient to what I know is true, that the creator of all this creation, of myself, of my family, he is speaking to me, and he's calling me to something. And he was going to be obedient to what he knew was true. Now, that's hard sometimes when you're going to be obedient to what you know is true when other people don't necessarily know that. Because here's what happens in life. A lot of times... We want to be obedient to what we believe is true, what we want to be true. And a lot of times uh, we do that. We say, I want this to be true, so that's what I'm going to be obedient to. And a lot of times we hear some of this philosophy of our culture, and it's not anything new for our culture, but it's be obedient to you. Be obedient to your true self. You know, what, what, what do you want to do in life? But being obedient to our true self and being obedient to what God has called us to can a lot of times be very different things. And I don't know what Abram's plan was for the rest of his life, but he knew he had to be obedient to what he knew was true and that God had called him to something else beyond where he was comfortable and where he was familiar. So a lot of times in life we can get in trouble with that because we want something that we want to be true to be what we need to pursue and be obedient to, and that's not always what God has called us to. And I think we understand about that. Let me, let me give an example, if I could, during this time of crisis. So when we first heard about this crisis, that people were getting uh, this coronavirus, we, I think we probably first heard it was in a, another country in China, in other countries, in Italy, and it was moving in different parts of the world. And we probably went, huh, yeah, that's happened before. And, and what we wanted to be true was, is that it was not a big deal. It wasn't going to come to our country. It was going to stay over there, and that's terrible for them, but it'll probably get better. That's what we wanted to be true. But then as it started coming to our country, we heard some people had it here, and we had it there, at this state and that state. And again, what we wanted to be true is that it wasn't going to come to our state, wasn't going to come to our town, it wasn't going to affect any of our loved ones. But then all of a sudden, what we wanted to be true 
was not necessarily the truth, was it? We weren't sure what the truth was. We were hearing government officials say things, closing things down. We were hearing doctors say this, and we're like, is this some sort of a conspiracy theory? There were people who wanted that to be true. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory. They're trying to wreck the economy. They're trying to control us. And we maybe wanted that to be truth and wanted to believe that. But as this thing started going, we go, wow, what the truth is, regardless of what I want to be true is, is the truth is, is this is a scary thing. It's for real. People are getting sick all over the world. People are dying from this virus, and we've got to take this serious. And then all of a sudden, what I wanted to be true and what was true, I had to go with what is really true is, is this is serious. And there's got to be some obedience. And our leaders at... Uh, you know, at our national level, at our state level, are telling us things that we need to be obedient to. We need to stay away from other people. We need to wash our hands. Then it was sheltering in place. We need to wear masks. Uh, you need to stay out of public as much as you can. You need to shelter in place. And all the all these things started happening, and we had to make a decision. What did we want to be true, or what was actually true? And a lot of us were obedient, and thankfully so, because I think a lot of why this is is starting to slow down and get under control now is because we were obedient to what we knew was true and that this virus was for real. It could, it could uh, make people sick and it could kill people and we didn't want that to happen. So we had to be obedient to keep ourselves safe, to keep our family safe, and to keep others safe. And so we had to be obedient to that. So I think we can understand that. So in this passage, Abram is being obedient to what he knows is true. Not what other people were saying was true, not to what he necessarily wanted to be true. Now, part of this is probably some stuff he wanted to be true. Gosh, God's going to make me great. He's going to make a great uh, nation out of me. Um, those who curse me will be cursed. Those who bless me will be blessed. That's something he certainly would probably want to be true, but he knew it to be true, and he acted on that immediately. He was obedient uh, to God. Now, sometimes God calls us to things in life, and... Uh, Sometimes we are, are hesitant when we hear maybe a clear call from God, and maybe sometimes it's not audible necessarily like Abram heard, but we, we feel this calling, God tugging on our heart, saying, I want you to leave what's familiar and comfortable, and I want you to do something else. And we're hesitant to do that. And we see this throughout the Bible. People were called to things they were not comfortable with, they were not familiar with, and a lot of times they didn't want to do it. And, and God called them to it anyway. And they didn't want to be obedient to what they knew was true. They wanted to be obedient to what they wanted to be true. And we'll talk about some of the other characters. But today I want us just to kind of focus in on Abram was obedient immediately to what he knew was true. God had called him to leave where he was, what he was doing, into something different. And so as we think about that, I, I, wanna, I heard about a, a story um, uh, Gary Hagen, uh, maybe some of y'all have uh, have heard of him. Maybe it's Gary Haugen. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his last name, but he started a ministry called uh, Justice International Ministries. And uh, he was working for the U.S. State Department at the time. And when he had this idea, and he said, for three years uh, I worked on this, um, this plan that I believe God had called me to. And uh, I got to the point where had a lot of plans, a lot of people had helped me get to this point. I was ready to start this nonprofit, but I was working for the U.S. Justice Department at the time, and now I had to act on it. So I went, he said he went to his bosses at the U.S. Uh, Department of Justice and said, hey, I'd like to have a year off to work on this nonprofit, to which they politely said, no, you can't do that. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to leave your job. And he said it became now a time to act in obedience, and he had to turn in his badge, and he had to say, hey, uh, I'm not going to be able to do this job anymore because I've been called to something else. 
And he said there was a little hesitation in him to do this because there was a part of him that was really hesitant because he didn't want to be embarrassed. He didn't want to be humiliated. He didn't want to start this and for it not to work out. It would embarrass him. It would say he was not a good leader. And he didn't want that to happen. He said, that was a little bit of my hesitancy to ask, act on this and go ahead and quit my other job. But he says, I started thinking about that. I said, what's the worst that can happen? Are my kids going to starve? No. If this doesn't work out, I, I'll probably have to get another job. I may have to move in with family for a while. But with my background in education, I can probably get another job. But he said, I realized I was really hesitant to act on this because I didn't want to be embarrassed down the road and people to think uh, that, that I was a failure or a loser. And he said that's when that was a kind of a defining moment and he had to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm in this. And he went ahead and started that. And, and just to let you know, that's been a, a powerful organization and that organization has been able to help those who are going through sex trafficking and human trafficking all over the world now. And that's because Gary was obedient to what he knew was the truth. God was calling him to something. But he had to be obedient. There was a step of obedience in the middle of a crisis of, do I want to worry about you know what's going to happen later? And he says, I didn't want to look back on my life and say, yeah, God called me to this thing to help people who were suffering in the world. And he gave me a clear vision for that. But because I didn't want to be embarrassed and I was afraid it might not work out, I never followed that. He says, I didn't want that to happen in my life. So we went ahead and followed through with that. So this morning, as we look at this story of Abram, I want you all to all think about maybe what is God in this crisis um, asking you, calling you to be obedient to? What truth have you kind of found out maybe through this last five or six weeks where things have changed dramatically in your life and in your family's life? Has it made you stop and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? What do I know to be true that maybe I haven't been obedient to? Maybe that's something with your family life. Maybe for a lot of us we've realized, you know what? I've neglected my family. I put so much time into my work or my ministry that I've neglected, uh, you know, my spouse, my kids. Uh, uh, maybe I've uh, neglected some friends, and, and all of a sudden now I don't have all that. Maybe I put um, other things way more important than you, God. And during this time, I've had to think about that. So I don't know what it is that maybe God is, is doing in your heart, in your mind right now, but maybe he's making you think during this crisis that you have had to reflect on things and reflect on what's most important in my life. What's most important? Why did God put me here? Was it to keep doing what I was doing before all this and I'm just going to get right back into that? Or is he calling me to be obedient to something else during this crisis and that I know is the truth and I've been neglecting it so I don't know what that is for you, but I want you to at least think about that. Maybe talk about that with your family this morning. Maybe talk about that with some friends. But as I close my message this morning, uh, I want to ask you, as we've done each week, to take some time and have communion with your family. And again, you don't have to have uh, the special bread and, and grape juice we have at church, whatever you have available there that you can make work to help remind you. I, I hope you'll do that. Uh, what we know to be true is that Jesus instituted a new covenant in his blood. And he asked us to remember his sacrifice for us. So I hope that you'll do that. Take a little piece of bread that represents um, his body that he gave for us on the cross, that it was nailed to the cross for our sins, that would bring us reconciliation to God, restoration to God, forgiveness with God. Take that little cup of juice or that little Dixie cup of Kool-Aid, whatever it is that represents the blood of Christ that was shed for you that brings you forgiveness and again restoration reconciliation 
with God. So I hope you'll do that together. And remember, that's something you know to be true. You know to be true that Christ went through that for you. You know it to be true that He resurrected for you. And you know it to be true that He instituted a new covenant for you. And I hope you'll take some time with your family to do that this morning. I want to read for you a passage um, from one of Paul's letters, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 17 uh, through 21. And this would have been the exact passage we would have read together today if we were together actually in person. Um, but uh, I want to just read this to you and, and, and uh, reflect on this as you think about taking communion together and what Christ did for us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Him who had no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Man, that's good news, isn't it? That's something we know to be true and we need to embrace in our life and be obedient to that. So I hope you'll take some time to reflect on that today. As I close this morning, thank you again for joining with us at Southwest Christian this morning. Thank you for listening to the message. I want to remind you to be in prayer um, about uh, opening up. That's going to be a process. Please pray that God will be with our leaders as we make those decisions. Uh, we'll have godly wisdom that we'll use good common sense and godly wisdom to make those decisions when and, 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 and how to open up to keep people safe, but we hope that will come soon. So be patient with us and be listening out. We'll be making sure that we give you plenty of warning ahead of time and announcing that so you'll know when and can be prepared for that. Also want to remind you and thank you for your generosity and giving your tithes and offerings. Um, you can do that by mailing those to the church. A lot of you have been doing that, and we're so grateful for that. A lot of you have been using our online giving. It's on our website. You can go to there and click on the giving tab at the top and follow the prompts there. And a lot of y'all have been doing that. We're so grateful. Y'all have been so generous through this time, and we're hoping to be able to help some people uh, because we know that's going to be needed as, as this goes on. But God bless you and your family. Take care. Hope to see you um, next week. And um, uh, be a blessing out there and reflect on how God has blessed you and what He's calling to you this week. See you later.